Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host, the first man to successfully scale Mount Columbia in Bermuda shorts and a sombrero, Dr. Luke Gledall. How are you doing today, Luke? Very good. How about yourself? Oh, good. I'm good. Yeah. Did you know that the Mount Columbia is the uh, the highest peak in Alberta? Mount Columbia, you said. Mount Columbia, yeah. I did not know that, no. I know that there's uh, a series of free peaks called the Free Sisters. Okay. That, that's something prominent, I know. But other than that, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a bit naive and I haven't really uh, ventured out much into the mountains. Hopefully when I learn to drive, then uh, yeah. that will change. So there we go. I, I, I backed off giving the... Uh, highest point because they give two numbers for that and i'm not sure so you've got elevation which is 12,293 yeah exactly it, it, it so you could listen to if you're walking up you could listen to elevation by u2 12,293 times um but then they, they also give prominence so i don't i think that's sort of a little bit of like whether it's showing its penis yeah, exactly. A bit of shy cock shaming uh, for, for mountain ranges. So it's like whether they're a grower or a shower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was say, elevation, elevation, you too. That's a lot of wooing on the way up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Woo! That was... Yeah, that was that one, wasn't it? It was. Isn't that the mole digging in a hole? No, digging in a hole, calling it excavation. Yeah, Ono <laughs> is truly one of the. Uh, he really scrapes the barrel at times with his. Uh, yeah, would it? I think it'd be the most ironic and fitting thing in this season if you and I, Rich, were sued by you. <laughs> For using their song, <laughs> like you know, the pinnacle of it all. <laughs> like, would be like, how can we actually show that we're actually? Surely this is parody beyond all means. But we've used your song. <laughs> oh, just sorry. imagine South Park, you know, just running through, going, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, only Bono would think would write the uh, the mole living in a hole, chewing up my soul, going down excavation, and think. Tell you what, chorus that. That's chorus. Do that again and again. Four times I'll sing that. Every time I sing this song, I'll make it a single. <laughs> you should have included uh, Ghost and Toast and little uh, little little. It's up there, there, isn't it? Get get Desiree on the writing credits for that one, you know. <laughs> so you can take a word for that, take a third for that one. Oh well. So in terms of um, yeah, Wednesday Wednesday bits and bobs, it's actually been a bit of a bumper week. It has. Are we going to have to? Uh, I think we're going to have to roll out to the full meaty uh, full meaty hoo hoos. <laughs> Ask and you shall receive. Breaking hoo hoos. Yeah, breaking who who's it's been quite a week. <laughs> Full meaty who who's I am just in the mood to a really terrible Scottish accent as I sometimes am. Like meaty clacker of who who's <laughs> ready to drop. <laughs> Jim White's face is puce. <laughs> 
So we <laughs> we alluded to this in the tweet about last week's uh, episode, but um, just as we kind of wrapped up recording and, and put the episode out, um, it all became official in terms of the fact that the championship will be back um, the same weekend as the Premier League. So we're looking at kind of three three weeks from now, two weeks from now. Sorry, wow. Um, and uh, we also know that all of the games will be available to watch uh, on Sky or BBC, I think. Um, and if you're a season ticket holder, you'll be able to watch them all on iFollow. So we've also had, um, in a, in a sort of uh, addition to that announcement, a couple of managers, including our own very, uh, you know, uh, coy chap in charge, Gary Monk, saying that they were taking quite aback by the the timing of of the return to football uh which makes me think we were probably pretty close to in terms of the votes and things like that the efl is just trying to railroad the football teams that they look after into a course of action whether whether they want to or not um but uh, what did you make of the, the the sort of several announcements and i think it was warburton that also sort of came out with a similar sentiment about the timing of football being back um yeah, what did, what did you make of all that, Luke? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I think I sent you that. So was it, it seemed to come from Mark Warburton, didn't it? I think it seemed to come from someone else at the club, at QPR. Oh, okay. It was someone actually higher up. I couldn't actually get first. it. But they said, oh, you know, Mark and whoever the footballing director was, was quite surprised. I'm like, but I, I don't know. I mean... This was something that's been largely conjectured, right? It has, but it, to hear Gary Monk sort of explain it, they were promised, I think, four weeks of full contact training before teams would be back. And the fact that they were only allowed by the Football League to start full contact training this week, I think means that they only get like two and a half weeks of full contact training or something like that. So, so I think it, it's surprising in that they've been told one thing and then the actual announcement doesn't agree with the sort of prior announced timeline. I think that might be what they're, what QPR were talking about as well. Right. Okay. Sorry. I get distracted every time you say contact training. I keep thinking of <laughs> deeply, deeply by right said Fred with uh, a contact sport. Let the neighbors talk. Oh. And uh, yeah, I, so yeah, I, I guess so. I, it, it does sound like a, a bit of quibbling over what probably amounts to about three days. I think with the greatest and greatest respect and I think what I so many of these options I really think we should have dealt with previously we should have dealt and had a lot more forward thinking about like hey if this happens what do we do then I think there really should have been a lot more kind of discussion like ahead of previous to this because I, I, I feel like everything's been done on the fly in regards to this we're building the plane as we fly it right now well i um, heard the guardian described you know um, <coughs> the premier league are calling this project restart um the guardian described it this week in an article as project hope for the best because yeah we're in a position where so <laughs> I, uh, unfortunately i feel like i've moaned quite a bit about the the, the response to this virus um at times but <clears throat> footballers are getting tested they're being tested several you know, almost, I think, on a weekly basis, maybe even several times a week. I think it's twice a week, I think, a lot of <laughs> yeah. places, yeah. So the overall figures for the UK are that one in 1,000 people have the virus at this point in time. Uh, amongst footballers who are getting tested probably more than just about anybody else mm. in the country, it's 1%. It's just under 1%. So you either think 
oh, footballers are particularly susceptible to this or they're getting tested really well. It's yes. probably a lot more like one in 100 in the country at the moment. Yes. And you just don't have the testing in place. But even... Yeah, still- well, well, this was the case with uh, Sam Winnall, you know, getting, you know, getting him being tested. Yeah. How, how many, how long ago was that now? Is that mid-April? Yeah. That, that kind of, that, that kind of landed kind of a month into, you know, kind of lockdown procedures and cancellations of different things and whatever you want to call it for wherever you are in the world and from whatever kind of situation but I, I think pretty much primarily for most places in the western world it's probably about mid-march yeah that all this kind of kicked off right and because yeah. um, then it was the 13th just the day prior to the home game against forest which is that's what right. we should be getting back to probably on the 20th and uh yeah that's when uh, they pulled the plug and said no we're not doing this which fair enough um but obviously then sam winnell was in a position a privileged position like yeah. i feel like i understand now that i think here where i am in alberta canada for a provincial level um the the chief medical officer is a lady named Dina Hinshaw who's become a bit of a Dr. Dina Hinshaw who's become a bit of a cult hero. So I think oh, yeah. you know, just a very nice kind of um, comforting comforting kind of matter of fact kind of updates. Kind of I guess the closest I think any Canadians will get to the shipping forecast. In okay. terms of, uh, <laughs> in terms of, if I'm not looking at this thing just incredibly uh, and massively uh callously and uh gallows humor uh, but anyway um i think they've talked about the fact that there is available a you know asymptomatic asymptomatic testing for anyone who kind of wants it i think yeah okay i may be mistaken but i think we're kind of getting towards that with most places in the world i want to kind of say but maybe the latter stage of this first surge of the pandemic i want to say so but they're obviously primarily within you know they have the money and the ability behind them to make that happen for you know footballers so and the, 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 there seems to be quite a host of people who've been tested who've said, you know, I'm kind of surprised. I feel fine, you know. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's one of the weird things with the well, one of the sort of frightening things is you could be somebody that's got it and not be affected and go about your daily life and affect lots of people. Exactly. Um, exactly. And that's I mean, something after this, which... we should probably just feed in. Sorry. There has been a positive test from a member of staff at Hillsborough as well. So. How many, if you're one of those people that's asymptomatic um, and maybe you've gone to work for a week whilst you've been affected, all yes. the people that you've interacted with, potentially, you could have given the virus to. And it's not to say that they will be, they will sort of fare better with it than you will. They might fare much worse. So mm. it's all those, it's it's those, it's that kind of domino effect, but you don't actually know. You don't know if you're one of the dominoes necessarily. Exactly. And that's the mentality of, you know, doing a lockdown is basically just assuming that everyone has it for the ideal to curtail and, you know, flatten the curve, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I guess there's some news articles about people having some, you know, there are people who have it who do exactly fine. There are people who have it who various, everything is a spectrum, you know, there's no great black and whites in this world. And, um, you know, but I was reading an article today about the fact that there's people who, you know, who've had this for months. Yes. You know, it's not been something which you've got over and then you're free after two weeks. There's people who are like, well, I feel fine, but I'm still having it positive in my test. And there's people, there was um, this article I was reading about this journalist in Glasgow who's, uh, you know, basically having the thing in waves. Right, yeah. And I think the longer you have it, basically, the worse 
it kind of get you know that it seems to get worse and worse the longer that it goes on for people but um sort of in addition so so i think the tone of the article in the guardian was was basically what would have derailed this project you know this is not a project based on the science necessarily like the uk is opening up quicker than some countries or lots of countries that have have a much better handle on the outbreak than we do we we are opening up for economic reasons we are not doing it because it's particularly safe to do so you know some countries like spain and italy have almost got rid of and germany i think for for this matter have almost got rid of all cases or they kind of know all the people that are affected and and kind of can see you know they they know the impact if somebody's ill they know okay oh well they they, this person met with this group of people so they all need to go so they can isolate cases whereas in the uk we don't have any handle on it in that in that way it's all pretty much chaos so football is coming back because sky and the international broadcasters want it to come back and mm. the, fo- the premier league owe matches to those broadcasters Ch- the championship is coming back because we have to ch- step in line with the premier league otherwise the premier league punishes the efl i mean they barely give the efl anything but they have a tiny little bit of sort of stick and carrot that they can wave over the fl and they are very want to use it you know as and when it appeals to them so we have to fall in line with them because we've got a (laughs) kind of it's not a symbiotic relationship we have a parasitic relationship with the premier league um as as the championship of of uh english football so this is all this is all happening not for not for it's all bright and safe and everything's good in the you know everything's rosy in the garden this is happening for purely monetary reasons Mm -hmm. so what would what would derail it how many positive tests so one in 100 is obviously not enough to derail it would five percent derail it would it be particular people that would derail it well you know what <laughs> what stage would it be oh do you know actually this is a terrible idea that we're going through with here <laughs> i don't know it's it's so hard to know what the parameters are because as you say we're, we're sort of making this up as we go along and and there's lots of fingers crossing and and hoping for the best um, and hopefully it does all work out for the best, but there's still an awful lot that we don't know, um, particularly in terms of sort of neutral venues and, and things like that. So we know some chunks of it have become very clear. Maybe we'll know in the next week or so some of the other bits. But it seems bizarre that in two weeks time, Sheffield Wednesday are having a football match against someone that we don't know who it is and we don't know where it will happen. <laughs> Well, it will seem to happen at the, you know, what it'll be, it was a home game that was planned, so it will be at Hillsborough. That's an assumption, though. It is an assumption. I mean, I I was thinking about the, uh, I was hoping for the completely, absolutely mad as bananas, uh, hermetically sealed games on the moon that we're going to be having. And when I say moon, I mean some uh, some indistinct location uh, footballing park in uh, the Midlands somewhere. <laughs> Have you? Um, I don't know. Uh, apologies again for talking about um, UFC and mixed martial arts, but have you picked up any of the back and forth between John Oliver and Dana White? The, uh... I did. I saw John Oliver's uh, <laughs> John Oliver taking uh, taking the Michael out of uh, out of Dana White. Yeah. Well, he because they so some a journalist that so the UFC has a plan to hold fights in a undisclosed island location, which is literally the plot to Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> I did not realize that. And um, 
so a journalist sort of was talking to Dana White and and sort of in passing called it Fight Island. And Dana liked that idea so much that he went and um, patented the phrase Fight Island. Uh, so they, they now have that on T-shirts and things like that. But mm. um, John Oliver was criticising the, the use of Fight Island as being not particularly clever and suggested as one of the alternatives UFC, uh, as in S-E-A. And uh, Dana went round, went and uh, got the patent for that as well. So, so he was sort of thanking John Oliver for giving him the good idea. Um, but it's been quite, it's been quite an amusing back and forth. But yeah, the, the, you could have done that. Like, in, I'm sure, like Abu Dhabi or somewhere, would put up a, you know, some kind of temporary village. How are the facilities coming along for the Qatar World Cup? Maybe, maybe we now just all play bubble soccer. Hmm. I always think that looks so dangerous. Are you talking about where you're entirely in a ball or the one where your body's in a ball, but your legs flail around loose? Your body's in the ball, but your legs flail around. Yeah, that looks so dangerous to me. I don't know. It could be funny. I I just feel like we're we're also like as well with the Premier League. So I don't know if this is going to apply and going to be the same for the EFL as well. But again, you know, this is perfectly fine that we have a system where there's one rule for one and one rule for the other because... You know, the Premier League is its own body and can do whatever the chuff it wants, which is uh, continually frustrating, mm. I think, for, for, for me and I think for a lot of people. But, I mean, they're talking about having five substitutions. They're talking about extending, you know, the subs bench is going to go from seven to nine. That's been um, given, I think. They've decided on the uh, the five subs. Yeah. Yeah. So- but, I mean, that's probably not going to be the case with EFL, is it? Or when I say EFL, it's primarily just going to be the championship. Is it going to be the League One playoffs? Are they going to do that? Is that what's looking about happening? Do they... I mean, apologies for being so ignorant, but do they have seven subs in League One and League Two now? Because they didn't previously. It was only the championship that had... That's an interesting question. That's something I might look into while we're just kind of chattering and <laughs> chattering and nattering on is about this virus and its uh, implications on the world of sport, and no one really seems to know what's going on. There's a really? so so Sky just to kind of f- fill in with some real facts um, that we actually know. Um, Sky have set up the the sort of punishing sched- schedule of three games in a Saturday, which is. A twelve thirty, a three o'clock, and a five thirty kickoff. A twelve p.m. game on a Sunday. It seems weird to have three games on a Saturday and only one on a Sunday, but I guess that's Premier League. Mm. And maybe not showing three p.m.s in the Premier League. I don't know. Whatever's happening there. Um, well, they have. Of- um, they have made a an omission that basically the whoever made the implication, maybe the government, has eased that uh, Saturday three p.m. kickoff. Yes. TV moratorium, if that's the right word. Which will be but, interesting to see if that can still, it can get put back in place afterwards. Because that's the thing. Sometimes these rules get broken and then it's, it's harder to put them back in place afterwards. Mm. I've always found it an odd one. So it's just to sort of complete the week, sorry. But the Tuesday and Wednesday, a 5 o'clock game, a 6 p.m. game and an 8 p.m. game. And then on a Friday, a 6 p.m. game and an 8 p.m. game. Um I've always found it a little bit like, well, because of Sky, 
they've started to make a nonsense of the 3 p.m. not having a 3 p.m. kickoff thing. Because if you have a Premier League match that starts at one o'clock, you have to live within 15, 10, 15 minutes of your local team to watch that game and well, also go to the game. That's and also then, going by the process of is televised football damaging um, damaging attendance. In that case, it is damaging attendance for those people who say, I don't want to go see my local team. I mean, on, on this note, like I've heard people say that, you know, Tuesday, Tuesday night midweek games at Hillsborough sometimes may be damaged by if it coincides with a Champions League round. Right, but I'm yeah. like, but that, that's the problem is that's going to deter a certain category of people. Like I've heard it deter a category of people. It wouldn't deter me because no. I clearly got a um, got a Wednesday fever. And the only thing that'll cure me is uh, punishing myself with a midweek game at Hillsborough. More more midweek games at Hillsborough. More cowbell. More cowbell. Yes. Um, more, more cowpole. <laughs> more Essex cowpole. More more footballing manure. Um, <laughs> no, I, I. Well, that's what I'm sort of saying. Like you know, so the 3 p.m. kickoff rule is to try and protect attendances but what i'm saying is if you're the sort of person that having a n other game on at 3 p.m on a saturday would be the reason you don't go and see your local team well they've already eaten into that at both ends of the the game because the one o'clock kickoff means you can't get to the match really anyway and if you wanted to see the 5 30 kickoff once again you can't get back in time to watch so do you know what i mean it's like yeah but then it also caters to i think there's people who kind of live a lifestyle where they think you know i'm I'm gonna have a few drinks on saturday i'll go to a pub or i'll go to somewhere that has me captive near to the game i'm gonna be watching i'll have a few beers while i watch i don't know chelsea chelsea everton or some uh some crap from the premier league that i can't uh i can't really bring myself to even think of some teams (laughs) even though i have actually bbc sport open now and i'm looking at the premier league table crystal palace versus watford oh what a what a match that is (laughs) bees against eagles <laughs> are they killer hornets? Hornets, they are. Yeah, they're hornets. They the, are they the murder Friends hornets? Of the bees. Um, yeah, but but I suppose that, that's what I'm sort of saying is that person. The match is an integral part of that Saturday. So whether or not there's a game on at 3 p.m., they're going to the match with their mates. Do you know what I mean? Like they're not. Yeah. The the, the, the fact that there's a random game of football on a Saturday on TV, it's kind of neither here nor there to them. So I suppose what I'm saying is I can see the reason for that rule, but I just think if you're the sort of person that watching another game takes precedence over going to see your local club, you've got your excuse already because if you watch the two games either side, it makes it impossible to go see your local club. So it's already broken the rule. Yeah, (laughs) I just think think I'm trying to put a point is there's contingencies to allow people to to do that that I don't know. I don't know. I still don't think if we know definitively whether it's really deterring people from going to games. It's hard to see because obviously, obviously the little microcosm that we watch football through is is the Sheffield Wednesday microcosm. Um, and our midweek games do, like, the atmosphere has been really bad this the last season or so. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how much of that is the fact that you can watch every midweek game on Sky. So if it's a bit miserable or you've had a hard day at work, you've got an yeah. alternative 
I mean, it speaks to me because I guess I'm, you know, I'm identifying as maybe a little bit into Chef on Wednesday because me and you decided to do a podcast and we've done one every week since. (laughs) 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 You're you're holding your hands up and owning up to a bit of... I guess so. (laughs) Reticently being like... Some warm feelings towards Chef on Wednesday. (laughs) Warm feelings to Chef on Wednesday. That's uh, that uh, Essex Calpol's got a hold of me. Uh, anyway, where were we in talking about events that happened this week? We've talked about so the it, you know we talked about a provisional date for the championship coming back, which has been given since the last time we did this podcast. That's correct. That's right. That's right. Okay, we can check that off the list. Um, we, we can talk about we can segue in the fact that they're going to vote on Tuesday. I think initially it was going to be Monday, but it's been pushed back by a day. So. Okay. The votes, I think, to formally say whether this is going to happen. That's probably why we've not seen any definitive fixtures. Probably. Because there's still things up in the air about relegation and promotion, isn't there? There's still questions. And there's also, it's undecided on the method that even if they do decide to go for it, uh, the method is still undecided as well of of uh you know which whether it's points per game or weighted points per game i believe tramier have come up with some brilliant way of doing it that they managed to stay up <laughs> for league one if you actually if you work out this way and we don't count tuesdays we win the league can we do that one <laughs> but that will i mean i think in part that you know tramier had gone into the postponement with three wins in a row so for them they would like something that accounts for your form and doesn't just go well no you were fourth bottom on the games that were already played therefore you're fourth bottom kind of thing it's uh for them something that kind of goes well yeah you look like you were turning a corner is much more worthwhile so there's going to be everybody's got a vested interest haven't they in these things and how they get sorted out so further on the bingo card you've mentioned the there's one member we presume of the staff but i guess there's no confirmation oh, it was of a staff right who is posted for yes posted uh, posted posted yeah posted um, the positive he's pest tested uh, tegative positive he pissed <laughs> his worms because he's, he was riddled with the rona riddled with that rona um so i'm gonna make the uh, a quick joke that i'm gonna apologize for and say finally some positive news out of hillsborough <laughs> Oh and I've apologised for that, and then uh, you pre-apologise. That's fun. And then I'll think about the rest of the episode whether I want to say to Rich, "Can you edit that out?" <laughs> if I keep referencing it as we go along, it'll be a. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? You've already recorded it and put it on the soundboard, <laughs> so it's going to plague me with for the rest. Of it. So no, I. Um... So an interesting thing is that the. Uh, positive tests in football have all been confidential and we're supposed to have a system either in place or getting in place in the UK (laughs) our track and trace system is we know all the people that have it and then we know who they've been near and we can kind of say oh you were in boots at the same time as Mr Smith and therefore you need to go and self-isolate. How how are we doing that if all of the football ones are anonymous? But that's something they're probably dealing with on a kind of a, um, like, a, it's an in-house basis, right? I mean, I well, think it's fair. Because, I mean, I noticed that basically, I guess for some reason, Preston have said, or however it's got out, uh, Jaden Stockley, I think, was the player. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Tested positively, and apparently they've said one Fulham player. 
So, but I imagine thinking about that, you probably want to kind of keep that anonymous. And also, I think there's probably a desire for the person who's been infected to say, do I want people knowing about this? And they're probably like, no, not really. Yeah, I just, I just hope that the proper authorities are being notified so that we can actually go through. Because that is, I, I'm, I don't, I've, I'm fairly comfortable with, you know, these are a particular segment of society and to help them go about their work safely, they need to be tested more often. I'm less happy with they get to keep it as a closed shop and that potentially impacts on other people in general society. So I don't know. It's just one of those. It's another hanging thread of many in this uh, this world, weird place we're in. Um, I think before I get too um, depressed about the idea of, of uh, the fact this is all definitely going to happen and there's the real potential that Wednesday will might well be sort of relegated in an empty stadium, um, <laughs> we should look at uh, the final bit of week the news from this week, which uh, we've had three contract renewals announced. Um, I think it sort of makes sense to maybe talk about them in, in order of appearance. Uh, Let's do it that way. Let's do it that way. So, and also the maybe the first one that came in order of appearance is maybe the one that's uh, the meatiest. So maybe I, I guess this is probably previous news is a bit of a. This is probably a bit of a, a five course meal. I'd probably say. <laughs> so we've had an official starter. We've had the soup, and I think this is the main course. Well, I, so in terms of appearances, I was thinking we could go like least appearances to most, so we have a bit of a build. What do you think to that, or do you want to just? I don't know. In? I don't know. I think I think maybe maybe as been said on. I think maybe we said on once said was on Al's talk was that maybe I've got a bit of an uh, bit of an opinion about one of the characters maybe. <laughs> I know it's that it's whether we bury the lead or not. Did my reputation precede me? Perhaps. <laughs> Are we just diving in then? Are we going to talk about Little Joey? Let's do it. Let's talk about uh, Little Joey from the block. <laughs> um, so I can just put my microphone on mute and just let you go, or maybe <laughs> you can just go make a cup of tea. You you can go make the main course that is going to be. You can go do uh, steak tatar while I talk about <laughs> steak tatar or contract renewals. That is Joe Pelopesi, maybe. <laughs> so I think probably the most controversial out of the three. I mean that that goes without saying. You know, outside of um, the opinions that held on on this podcast. Um, Joey Pelopesi is a divisive figure in the fan base, and there are there are many people, um, perhaps you're numbered amongst them, who his name being on the starting, you know, in the starting lineup is a, is an immediate kind of deep sigh, and uh, you know, are wondering what what went wrong or who's who's got injured or whatever. Um, so in some on some level, you could say it's surprising that that Joey Pelopesi has been given another year. Yes. It's phrased as us taking up an option of an extra year, isn't it? So um, we did pay a fee for him when he came in. Uh, I think he's been with us three years. So this is us taking up the option of a fourth year. Um, no, it's I think it's two years it. option of a free, okay. I believe. Oh, hang on. Bah, 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 bah. So it's been two and a half years basically okay so he was okay. a january signing in 2018 signing, yeah okay yes luke only signing for sheffield wednesday his baby boy <laughs> son of yas joe Pelopesi. um so i i, I <laughs> we sort of joked ahead of time that we could do a bit of kind of like order 
and kind of present our cases in terms of whether it's a good or a bad thing that Joey Pelopesi is staying. But just to kind of lay, I'm going to lay out some of the positives um, and then I'll let you kind of respond. <laughs> well, I think I think we have enough time, Rich. I think you can lay out all the positives. I don't think you have to just, uh, I don't think you have to be, uh, be stingy with the positives here, Rich. It depends how... Um, just how deeply homoerotic we're going to get in this section. <laughs> and I know that's, that's not true, something we so. shy away from, you know. We uh, we bundle headlong into such issues on a regular basis. Uh, <laughs> but I'll, I'll go on a purely sort of, you know, a footballing level. Uh, I, so... I think this summer is a is a strange one, and I think the all three of the the renewals at this stage have to be cast in the light of one. We don't know what the summer transfer window is going to look like. Just in general, you know, take Sheffield Wednesday out of it. It's going to be a weird transfer window because clubs have been months and months without any income um, and it's going to be truncated and we don't know what next season looks like and we don't know how long it will be before clubs are getting taking ticket money in so having a kind of surefire option on hand that you don't have to go and spend huge amounts presumably in terms of signing fees and you don't have to pay out transfer fees that is going to play a a pretty heavy factor in several decisions i think at lots of different football clubs so i think that's that's one of the things is he's he's a known entity <laughs> whether that's good or bad we can we can decide on the balance of things and i um, think we can say rather we can put the gavel down on that one and say we do know who he is your honor we do can can you point out the uh, offender yes yes there he is there is that little guy with the big thighs <laughs> Faisy Faisy Malone. Um, so and and I think he, although he's a he is a distinctly limited player, it's rare that Joey Pelopesi lets us down. And particularly, I think this season when he's come in, he's he's actually not dropped the clangers that are kind of a bit of his, you know, his unique calling card. <laughs> calling card, yes, yeah. <laughs> oh dear, I left a little clanger for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's 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 a fit he's a fit guy. He doesn't tend to get injured that often. He is, he he's is. a good age. He's twenty seven years old. Um, so he's kind of in his athletic prime. Uh, and actually, there's a piece on on the athletic. Nancy Frostick kind of making the case for Jelly, Joey Pelopesi. Um And basically, compared to what Hutch has done this season, he's actually not a million miles away in terms of performance. So I think they're quite different defensive midfielders. Hutch being kind of all action and and trying to sort of enforce his place on the game and Pelopesi being much more of a kind of passive. I'm going to, this is silly. He's not, he's nothing like this player. He's nowhere near as good. But a kind of Makaleli style defensive midfielder not hugely involved not doing a huge amount in terms of the play but kind of shielding shielding off channels occasionally making interceptions and dealing with very simple passes when they get the ball giving it to the people who are better at at attacking so in terms of uh, tackles per 90 minutes Pelopesi's on 1.82 and Hutch is on 1.9 in terms of interceptions Pelopesi's 1.95 every 90 minutes and Hutch is on 1.8. I just want to interject and say this is a really uh, glowing reference for Joey Pelopesi. You know, if you asked a reference... Almost as good as Hutchinson. If you asked a reference from me 
uh, my letter would be back. Uh, hello, your name, whoever asked for a reference for Joey Pelopassi. <laughs> This is, to confirm that, this is to confirm that Joey Pelopassi was at Sheffield Wednesday from this date until this date. Um, he made this many appearances and scored one goal. Yours, Luke Leddle. <laughs> um, and then the last little bit, um, in terms of successful passes per 90 minutes, Hotch is better at that. So he's 34.7 for 90 per 90 minutes, but only 0.6 of a chance made every 90 minutes. Pelopassi only makes 21.9 successful passes per 90 minutes, but makes 0.4 chances per 90 minutes. So they're almost exactly the same in terms of the chances they create. So in terms of a kind of, if we're picking one or the other, Pelupesi seems to do just about as much as Hutchinson. I would argue, in terms of what he does attacking-wise, Pelupesi knows his place and doesn't hold us up or slow us down in the way that Hutch does, because although Hutch sometimes plays lovely passes and uh has a positive contribution more often than not what he does is add an extra pass in that slows things down um so yeah for me if it's a like for like i'm imagining pelopessi's on less wages he's less presents less problems in the dressing room uh because whatever side we're on it feels like hutch is involved in aggro in the dressing room and has been several times. Um, so I think we've managed to maintain a sort of decent... I hope he's not first choice for us, but the other unknown with our summer is we could easily be in League One in uh, next year, and I think Pelupesi would be more than good enough for League One. So there's my... That's my kind of po- you know little pocket case, and I haven't got into the fact that he's got those guns. <laughs> that you just did. Um, yeah, it's a little, little piece on the end. P.S. P.S. Guns. The guns. <laughs> So that's my that's my positive okay. case. Okay. Um, I want to try and look at the positive as much as as possible. Um, I think it's been said that it has been said in. I also think I do want to say, Rich. I think there's a lot of things I can kind of. I see where you're going with the positives. Um, but I could just, for the sake of this and for sports, just rip everything you said to shreds. Well, do if you feel if you feel the the desire. I'm, I'm um, picturing you sort of strutting back and forth in the courtroom, maybe mopping your brow occasionally. I, I always imagine that kind of southern lawyer thing. So if, if it's something you say, say I, I do declare, I declare, Mister Pelapesa. Love it. Thank you. That's the picture complete in my mind now. I can uh, I can rest easy. Oh, I've got to watch Knives Out again just for uh, Daniel Craig's <laughs> awful southern accent as well. This is uh, it's lovely. I'll say, I'll say more. Lovely fog on Lego with uh, extra extra scissor on top. Um, I think it's I, the only thing I really want to say. I, I can see the the mentality of you saying, looking at the positives, looking at the stats. I think it's interesting, and I think it's important to do that. Maybe because maybe we need to be. I think we need to be as positive as possible about this. It's mm. it's difficult to take. It's a very difficult thing to see. Um, going on what we've gone from the dangerous thing. I want to say about what you've said is, I think it's I think it's dangerous to say. Our relegated players who weren't good enough in this division are now sudden sudden diamonds in the league below. Um, I will caution you on that, sir. Oh, an <laughs> objective. Um, I think it's been said in the media. I, I think it may have been said by Dom House, and I don't know if Nancy Frostick went down this this route as well. Um, 
I do like Nancy Frostick's writing a lot, and I do have subscriptions for The Athletic, but I haven't had a chance to get around and kind of peer over that because there's been so many things going on in the world and in my life right now. Um, but I don't know if it's been said anything. I think I saw a little soupçon of an opinion basically saying that Joey Pelopessi will, will be wanting to repay that faith that's been kind of paid into him. Right. Um, I think he's a player... I mean, here's the thing, like, he's someone who, I can't fault his work rate. I think the problem then becomes, is his work rate done for the correct reasons? Mm. Is it being applied in the correct manner? And I think that's somewhere I have some real difficulty with Lil Joey P. Um, But then I, I I don't know what he's, I still don't really understand the... The magic eye of Joey Pelopessi as a footballer, what exactly he does. I imagine there are some comments, and I imagine he's someone who's taking to heart his comments, and I imagine he's someone who works very hard at them as much as he uh, as much as he works hard to keep those guns in check. Um, <laughs> so I think that's it. I think he's someone who's probably a fairly moderately cheap option. He's known. I imagine he probably does some good around in the squad as well. I'm, I'm trying to be as positive as possible. But it's it, really nice it's, to hear you stretch for these things, Lee. It really is stretching. Um, I think you. I. I want to. Yeah. I. I think. So I was. You know. I was presenting. Uh, uh, you know. As. I, I think it's sort of damning with faint praise that the best I could do in terms of geeing um, you up for the prospect of another year of Palapesi is to say he's actually not as bad compared to Sam Hutchinson as you think. And yeah. that sort of implies that Sam Hutchinson is a is a is some sort of wonder. But Sam Hutchinson has come in for some criticism on this podcast at times. And I do think he's, a, in his own way, quite a limited player. We'll talk about him in his own right. Well, yeah, I mean, um, you're comparing Sam Hutchinson, who's looking more of a spent force and looking more, even if he yeah. was in the picture, he's entering, he's entering the twilight years of his Sheffield Wednesday career, mm. let alone his career in general which I think has been considering his limitations and his battles, um, both physical and mental. I think he's done an absolute exceptional job of having such a such a kind of such a storied career and such a long stint with Sheffield Wednesday. So absolutely I mean it's the thing we've talked about is we we kind of anticipate that he's not going to be there and he's not going to be present in the team anymore and that's it that's the end of sam hutchinson which is an incredibly sad ending <sighs> but still like so, you said with in that comparison you know we ideally want better than sam hutchinson next year and we ideally want better than joey pelopessi i think the different the difficult thing for me is thinking about this is He's cover that's not good enough. He's cover that's not good enough if if he's required for... I think he's good enough for a game here or there. Yeah. He's not covering, oh, this player's out for the rest of the season, so Joey Pelopessi's going to play 20 games. He's not cover in that regard is he he is he's a he's papering over cracks rather than being a like for like man to step into the first team i think well so i i do think it potentially says some things about we still have this kind of sword of democles hanging over us in terms of what the efl charges and whether anything comes of that um it, it almost seems guaranteed to go on to a second stage uh, that matter because we've already heard from Barnsley and, and a couple of other clubs that 
that, you know, if we aren't charged and don't deducted points, they are going to sort of pick up the matter and take it against the, the EFL. So that's something that potentially might rumble on beyond the summer. So we could have a summer where we're sort of a bit like the folks you know, stocking up on toilet rolls and flour and things, you know, we might have a kind of hoarding somewhere of, well, we're pretty much sure we're going to get clobbered down the line with a transfer ban. So we might as well do what we can <laughs> whilst whilst we can. But then that can be added to your punishment. I think part of the reason that Birmingham have been sort of particularly singled out for punishment is that they effectively did that. I can't remember the name of the was it Jota mm-hmm. that they signed for sort of ten ten million pounds plus when they were they knew that they were just about to get a transfer ban. So so I think with Pelopesi, it definitely tell and I think the other two signings actually, it tells us we're in a position where the club don't really know where we'll be. We don't know what the budget's going to look like. <clears throat> we don't know how much trading we'll be allowed to do. Um, and we've kind of taken the approach of grab what we can and kind of tie that down and and then hopefully we can build on it hopefully Pelopesi will be a second or third choice um hopefully Penny and Osaze have got the room to to grow um but worst comes to worst they might all three be first teamers next year and that is a difficult situation that's a much less positive exciting position to be in uh potentially next season that's a tough tough season if if that's where we are and it speaks to the fact we could easily be in that that spot so it is it's definitely a a mixed thing signing Pelopesi and uh, I think on the balance it is more negative than positive it's it's it is slightly worrying but business sense I sort of think he'll be on the same terms as he was signed for and I, I think he's probably worth having around for that to be honest, the, the Dutch league and well, most leagues outside the Premier League, players are not paid anything like they're paid in the top two tiers of English football. So he's probably on a very reasonable wage and for his energy, his fitness, um, hopefully a bit of positivity. He seems to be a well-liked character, as you say, in the dressing room. Hopefully, I think, hopefully that's why the decision's been made. You know, he's a good guy to have around and he doesn't cost much to have around. So why not take that extra year? Um, yeah. But it, yeah, but it's it does on the face of it looks looks a slightly worrying decision that we've had to make. Um, okay, do we? Is that are we leaving Joey there? I think that's the main course. Yeah, that's the main course. We've devoured the main course of Joey Pelopesi. Um So we'll move on next to Matt Penny. Matt Penny, which yes, I would say would be the dessert of this. <laughs> And and Urugide being a kind of maybe a fireside cigar, cigar or a coffee, yes, whatever you yeah, coffee liqueur, a little aperitif afterwards. <laughs> yeah, so Matt Penny, Matt Penny, who's um, you know obviously came through and had some real surge of just as some incredible performances and really looked like a great player than someone who we managed to tie down to a contract to the end of this year. So it must have just been a one plus one effectively. Um, which is why we've got this option for 12 months. I mean, all of these contracts are options that we've taken up. Yes. So, I mean, I, I guess we'll still have more to discuss in the future whenever the season is over. 
and whenever we get the time to to look at any sense of renewals and any official released by the club and when we get the chance to look at that but obviously right now these players have been extended for another year matt penny who's going to be spending the rest of his season as he was already you know seeing out the uh the bundesliga's vie with uh saint Pauli, yes. yeah <laughs> for the rest of their games whenever you know that should be uh, kind of there's only a few more games to go so that should be finishing the next kind of few weeks um and but obviously then when he signed that previous contract he did kind of come under an injury so there's been a there's been a lot of us not really kind of seeing a great deal of Matt Penny. Yeah, and I think he ha- he has l- missed a big chunk of this season uh, into, at St. Pauli with injury as well, hasn't he? Because um, I think he started, he sort of played every game early doors, and then he yeah I, d- I don't know I think he did I think he did pick up an injury, but um, he's played. I, th- I think every game since they came back. Um, yeah, it's hard to know. As you say, he sort of burst onto the scene. I'm sort of surprised all of his appearances came in one season. I, I kind of, in my mind, I'd kind of thought he'd had he'd had bits and pieces before that, but it, it was all 2018, 2019, his games for Wednesday. So he racked up 17 appearances in total. Um, and there were some really good ones in there. Yeah, there were some absolute peaches of performances in that kind of early spell. Um, I guess the interesting thing is like a lot of this hasn't happened. It's um it's it's not a it's not a long kind of history, really, no. for Matt Penny. Which maybe I think for his age and the fact that he's been someone in and around the youth team, around the academy for quite a while. Like I mean, we've had other players such as players like Jack Stobbs, who we've kind of seen be promising for a long time and never had that ability or never had that time to build anything or, you know, nor the ability to kind of kick on from there but spending a lot of time from you know late teens early 20s to if, you know looking like someone who could be potentially really good yeah i to be honest i never I, I i don't ever remember stobbs having he never he didn't have as many chances to be fair to him but i don't ever remember stobbs having the the kind of impact that that penny had in some of the games that he was involved in i mean he almost immediately looked looked the part and very early on had that had that really good performance, the game that we've talked about where, that we watched in New York, a very good performance away at Aston Villa, where, you know, he was regularly sort of tricking a veteran in Alan Hutton, troubling him for pace, and that was kind of the main thing that Hutton's game's based around. Um, I, I don't remember seeing Stobbs and thinking, look at all the good things he can do. No. Whereas Penny seemed to have uh, be a guy that could make some time for himself on the ball. Um, I remember fairly early doors him sort of cutting in and shooting um, a couple of times and having the confidence to do that when there's other options around. We sort of talked last week about Kaelin Lavery, you know, almost appearing on the scene and demanding to be given the ball in the box when there was there was other options. You need to you need to back yourself as a player. I don't I think it's rare the player that's kind of a, a a wallflower that that makes it. You need to be a bit bolshy and a bit full of yourself. And Penny looked like he you know he bought into himself, and that was a that's a big thing. And he mm-hmm. looked a decent sort of caliber of athlete. You know he looked fit. Um, kind of quite broader across the shoulders so he didn't look out of place playing with men you know that's the other thing that happens with young players is they look like kids when they come through and they they look and the ones that shake that off early tend to be the ones that stick around so mm-hmm. there was all that promise early doors that the, the then we had the contract wrangles then we had the injury straight after it um really 
yeah, really tough go round, really, in that regard. He's had a season playing left-back mainly for, for St. Pauli. They haven't pulled up many trees as a team, so he's not been involved in many victories. He's played 14 times for them. He's, he's grabbed that one goal. Um, he, he got a sending off in his first game, which is uh, which was unfortunate. Um, but again, I think he, he's, he missed a patch of the season with, a, with an injury there um, because that... The, the game against Hamburg was a comeback match for him. I think he hadn't played for a month or so. So it's it's hard to know where he's at, but if we get the best version of Matt Penny, that's a guy I'm quite excited to have around the squad and quite excited to see where he goes next. I, I do wish it was longer than a year. This yeah, is a- but I, I still feel there's still a lot of questions, and yeah, he's probably... <clears throat> probably maybe slight I'd probably put him slightly just a little bit ahead maybe by a you know by a neck or whatever the whatever the horse racing kind of length is ahead of Ozazi basically instead of yeah. Mr. Orohide. Um but still there's still a lot of questions about whether I do think if we're someone that's going down if we're going down I think it would be a great ground for him in League 1 to yes. really have a starting berth. I guess there's a lot of questions about whether Morgan Fox is going to stay or stick around. Um, I guess recently there's been a lot of newspaper talk and maybe agent talk linking him with a real whole host of clubs, even some actually in the league above us. Yeah. And yeah. the Premier League. And if he, if he can manage to get himself a deal like that and a move, I'm sure he would jump at it. So, um, he wouldn't be the first... Um, <laughs> the first so-so left back to end up at Bournemouth on a weird deal with the because was it Wiggins we managed to get rid Royce of? Wiggins yeah we managed to get rid of Royce Wiggins and then he had a bit of a I don't think he had the best time at Bournemouth but uh, but yes yes an interesting kind of comparison to you know that weird Wednesday to Bournemouth kind of path transfer path. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> only only had by um left backs at uh, Essex. So sorry. No, I'd like to see I really hope that he can kind of kick on. I hope he can do something with us. I hope we can get enough appearances for us as fans to make a judgment, but also for Monk or whoever's in charge next year at this you know, if we're in a similar kind of time frame next year, um or maybe a bit less in a year hopefully we have hopefully we have a normal season not curtailed by any kind of global virus pandemic viral pandemic yeah yeah um but if we were in this position again this time next year or whenever we're talking about i'd like to think we'd had like a good look at who matt penny is becoming as a player and that's that's the thing i hope is just the fact that we can just get him some games i'm glad he's gone on loan this year um, though I don't know, I think that when he kind of went, we were almost thinking because we were almost wondering as to whether he should have been at the club this season. Because, yeah. well, I mean, before kind of Morgan Fox's, um, you know, insane turnaround, yeah. you know, we, we weren't looking so good for left back no, to the point no. where now, I mean, if Fox goes with the current state of the squad, I mean, my honestly, my first choice left back would probably be Liam Palmer. Which is wild, isn't it? It is wild, considering at one point. I was really bemoaning the idea of Liam Palmer being our first choice right back. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's a strange yeah. is a very strange position at Sheffield Wednesday. It, suppose... it has been for a number of years now. Yeah. I haven't had a great deal of confidence probably since Jack Hunt left in whoever's reeling that first team right back. Um, it's It's been a disappointing. So I, I think it's really a great situation for much like, much like someone like Fox to really get his head down and have, you know, this insane kind of army camp, you know, determination and training yes. sessions, 
more this season that he's been doing <laughs> and kind of come back stronger. I'd really like to see that happen for Matt Penny. Fingers crossed. I think my, I just think my hesitancy with the year is um, just to kind of go back to a, a number of weeks on the podcast. Um, I'm just, I was just pondering on the, the sort of Sunderland till I die thing where you get the young player, they have their breakthrough year and they go. Uh, and it's a thing that we've been through. Well, he didn't even have a breakthrough year, but, but George Hurst, we kind of got screwed over in that regard. Um, Sean Clare or Sean Flair, um, that we had that sort of saga. And I I just, I'm thinking like Stuart Donald sort of talks about, oh, we should build these deals so that we're rewarded for the work we put in. But it's a two-way street. You know, if we said to Matt Penny, here's a two-year deal or, or, you know, even a three-year deal, it's, it's, it's yours to sort of make, you know, there's built, there's built in stuff for appearances and goals and whatever in assists, uh, clean sheets if he's going to be playing at a, 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 a fullback. And I know this is very football manager-ish, but it's almost like here's a here's a kind of blank paper deal that gives you a, a decent wage that you're on now, but you can make it into something special if you become the left back that we want you to be. And that's the sort of loyalty that you'll give it. You're 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 taking a punt on them and showing faith in them by giving them a few more a longer deal than maybe would feel natural but hopefully they reward you with that by they grow as they grow into the player you've got that player to 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 thrive within within your squad giving someone a one-year deal you're almost asking them to screw you over because it's like well we don't trust you enough like twice we've now given him a a year deal Mm. um so we gave him a year with an option we've taken that option and and effectively what you're setting yourself up to is if he manages to hit the ground running or any stage has a good run we either have to sell him in january or give him a new deal in january yeah uh, or he walks away for nothing and it's just Mm. frustrating to kind of see that played out again and again and i know i I can i can understand all sides of it i'm full of you know empathy and things like that i can understand the players thing i've only got so long as you touched on with morgan fox you know if he genuinely has offers to play in the premier league and people are casting admiring glances um i think he's the sort of he's got the sort of mentality where he will back himself and think well i'm good enough to go do that and he's got to he owes it to himself to take the opportunity if that's there exactly and i Uh, also would think maybe just this is complete but also for fletcher fletcher's a striker who's probably in high demand and even someone at his you know ripe age of 33 but still showing kind of a lot of promise and aptitude this season and Mm. um I imagine him probably taking the best deal for him. So I I feel like I'm kind of resigned to both of them leaving, which is sad. Yeah. But we'll, there we go. We'll see what happens and what transpires with those two players. But just obviously looking at Fox in, in light of kind of the younger players and the younger players who've been, you know, Matt Penny, um, there are opportunities to kind of kick on and to kind of define yourself as a um, as a first-team regular as someone in and around the, uh, the match day 18. Yeah, so in terms of just to kind of, we'll, we'll get on to the third and final uh, re signee. Um, but we're, you know, to sum up, pretty disappointed that Pelopesi's been kept on. Quietly optimistic that Penny's been kept on. That, you know, there's an opportunity there on both sides, potentially. Um, although it does look a tricky path if, if, if somehow we manage to keep Fox. I don't know where Penny's appearances come because it's really hard to get in to play left wing for us, which is nominally his 
position and Fox is a pretty fit lad doesn't there won't be many spots for him but um I suppose that's you know it's a year we'll see how it goes so I'd uh, like to see a latter day kind of equivalent of um of you know King and Worthington yeah that could be interesting it could be something to try at least at least with someone like that we would have options so I'm, I'm happy I'm very happy with Good. another year okay. for Matt Penny. That's nice. So, and the the player who sort of made their made their sort of initial bow for Wednesday the latest and uh, <clears throat> has played the fewest games. We've got Asaze Urigide has been, uh, you know, he's we've taken the option for an extra year with him. Uh, where do you where do you sort of feel he's he's sitting at this point in time? I think he's someone who you know he came through like an absolute house on fire, like just. Just two of, you know, an FA Cup appearance, which was just fantastic. And then the appearance in the league against Leeds. I think it was away against Leeds where he just like he was just so full of confidence and self-belief that it was just unreal and just had two absolute barnstorming debuts in terms of an FA Cup debut and a league debut for Wednesday. Yeah. And and then unfortunately had a bit of a bad appearance. In I think it was a five 0 defeat against Blackburn. You know, getting but, himself was it that or was it Reading? Well, so he didn't. He did. He did have a bad appearance against Blackburn, um, and he he also he also then got sent off against Reading. Got two yellow cards. Mm-hmm. So so two wonderful performances that looked where he looked tremendous, and then two absolute stinking performances. Yes, very <laughs> he, much he was so. taken off at. Half time in the Blackburn game, was he? I believe it was. I believe that's actually what happened, yes. So, actually not on the pitch for three of Blackburn's five goals. So, maybe he um, he escapes with a you know, slightly, saves a bit more face than some of the other players that were on the pitch. Mm-hmm. That was also, it was such a strange, I mean, that was one of the, one of the very worst performances I've seen from Wednesday in such a long time. And we were very unfortunate to lose Luongo. Um because that was a red card that was then overturned. But we, we so it was only 1-0 when Luongo got sent off. Um, that's one of those where it's like, okay, the, the sort of after-match punishment we were saved from, but there's nothing that helps us. You know, they the, the, the referee ruined the game for us. So, oh, sorry, Irigide was on the pitch. It was half-time. It was 3-0 at half-time. So there's only two goals scored second half. I was, wasn't sure with the 45th whether they just scored straight away, or but uh, that obviously would have been 46 minutes. Yeah, so, so literally just four appearances, like we've mentioned. <clears throat> you know, an exact 50% win rate. I yes, yeah. 50% win rate for the team and also for Azazi as well. Because those two games were just absolutely phenomenal for him. And then he's put up with one where he's uh, sent off at halftime and the one where he's uh, sent off just after, sorry, taken off at halftime, one he's sent off just after halftime. With Origide, the other thing that sort of caveat to add in is to date, as far as I'm aware, he's never played in his sort of chosen position. He's He is a centre-back, supposedly, and he's always really? played right-back thus far. Um, so potentially there's a bit of... I don't know, because that's one of those things that we, we've talked uh, about Tommy Spur. Tommy Spur, people would still say, you know, when he was like 32 years old, having played all of his career as a left-back, people yeah. would still say... Oh, he's a centre-back by trade. He's like, no. He was a centre-back for two years when he was a teenager. He has made a living as a left-back. 
you can, it's no longer a valid excuse. But I, I wonder, and forgive me for making this comparison, whether it's a little bit like someone like Dominic Iorfa and that you have someone who looks so powerful and pacey and then you think, oh, let's put them on as a fullback because then it can get down the wing, basically. Yeah, Possib- well, quite possibly, yeah. Because Uruguide does look, a de- he looks a decent athlete, doesn't he? He looks big and strong and quick. Um, you know, we were talking about Pelo Pessi's thighs. He's got some juicy, juicy thighs of his own. Um, <laughs> if you just want to objectify him as much as possible, sure. Yeah, if I can objectify a 19-year-old a, a uh, young man um, and, and uh, as, a, as a man comfortably in my late 30s, uh, if that's okay. Um <laughs> I'm, but you know he's you know he looks he looks for want of a better word uh, Irigidi is a unit you know he's the he's that sort of caliber of athlete that uh, you know again we unfortunately we keep talking about it but if we end up in League One he won't look out of place in terms of League One defenders because League One defenders look like rugby players and Irigidi has something of the kind of rugby player in in his build and uh, and the way he goes about his business. It, it, I think he looked fearless in his first two games and then was part of two terrible performances. And I'm not shielding him from this at all, but as the kind of junior member of the team, if anybody deserves a kind of a bit of shielding from from a, an overall bad team performance, I think Uruguide deserves a little bit of that. Um, but he he suddenly just looked like a young lad and was making mistakes and being punished for them. And I think so. It's it's how well mentally he can come back is such a big thing for him because you've got to be able to. Part of being a professional footballer is unfortunately if you lose five 0 you've got to start the next game like like you've got a clean slate. You can't start that next game thinking, oh my goodness, I'm terrible. We got beat five 0 last time. So a big part of how well he does going forward will be how he deals mentally with that transition and how he does next time he plays will be huge in that but really not helped by being in terrible team performances exposed by your teammates and therefore your your mistakes get punished it's a hard place to be as a as a young kid i hope somebody was able to kind of put their arm around the shoulder kind of thing and hopefully steer him through it, through it a bit mentally. But um, we'll see. We'll see. So I think jury's out a bit on him, isn't it, at this stage? The thing I was going to say was I know we typically are doing a lot of uh, shielding of football players, of young football players. Yeah. But I also felt also for quite a few times with Wednesday and the youth players and the treatment of the youth players is... You know, why, I think I've maybe said this, why are they going back into the closet? Why have they, you know, locked them back in the cupboard? Like, yeah. can, can we can we see this player again? You know, are they... I sometimes think we're quick to... We're not quick to, to give chances to young players. Yeah. Um, we're not quick to forgive young players if they make mistakes. No. But therefore, we're not quick to bring them back out and kind of bring them back into kind of footballing first-team kind of society. Well, that's it, because Uruguide, after that, game we had there's definitely were games where where we ended up with sort of injuries or things like that where almost the most sensible thing to have done would have been to bring well we saw um we saw Moses Adebayo come back from the dead yes yes so it was, was like oh Urigide, you were so bad that this guy I told to find a new club in January is playing ahead of you and what does that do to the mentality of a young player but I think that's a false way to look at it because I think it's a false way to look at 
I think we have to I think we have to be mature enough and I think we have to kind of encourage a culture within the football club of that you know if your attitude and your application and your professionalism is there then it's not it is not the sunset of your Sheffield Wednesday career, you have a chance to turn things around. Yeah. I think the interesting thing, though, was, though, that Urihide's chance was given, or we felt her, Urihide's chances were really given because um, yeah, seemingly had a stinker and was seemingly told to pack his bags. Yes. Though, apparently, it seems to have said that we don't, I can't remember if we found out whether he was injured, Odebajo, at the time that Urihide um, came into the frame. Uh, was, they definitely had a conversation though where I think where Monk told him that he could you know if he could find somewhere to go he, he would let him go oh yeah that. yeah we so, we know that but I don't think that kind of matured at the time as a story and I mean that's even come out now that I think I know I really appreciate I think um, Nancy Frostick did interview by the Bajo and I should go back and read that article again because it, it seems to be really good and seemed to uh, I seem to feel a lot for, for Moses in that in that article yeah where, seemed to talk a lot about how he'd kind of maybe lost his focus and lost the focus on the enjoyment he got from the game and said, you know, the, the happiest I was was I was playing with my brothers and I kind of need to get back to that. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I'm not entirely... I'm, <clears throat> I'd like to see a little bit more. Yeah. I hope he comes back. I hope his attitude's good. I hope he, you know, has that opportunity to kick on and kind of a bit more of a... Bit more of a presence in around the squad, um, but I'm I have less expectancy around him as opposed to in contrast with uh, Matt Penny. And I'm also on the flip side of that. I'm also hoping for that right back berth that we see a lot more from Odebajo in the future. Yeah, and we, again we got good, you know, Odebajo and Palmer both very decent right backs on their day. Yes, completely. <laughs> Odebajo has less days so far that we've seen than. Uh, Palmer, but hopefully, you know, as you say, he sounds like um, a pretty formidable character, and mm. hopefully, he could have a kind of Morgan Fox esque turnaround. He he seems to have that kind of determination about him, and there was certainly enough good bits from Adebayo to to make you, you know, if you can put that together and, and lose some of the the kind of sleepy moments that uh, let people in, then uh, yeah, hopeful for him. And I, I think some of his moments <laughs> weren't necessarily him being bad because it, it was it was Westwood sort of him and Westwood in combination really com- made some howlers between them. And Westwood showed himself perfectly able to make howlers on his own uh, with no Moses Odebajo in the squad. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how things go as, as those folks come back. Um, so just to kind of round things off, that's three players who've had their at least their immediate futures sorted out. We are left with eight senior members of the first team squad who have uh, contracts that run out uh, at the end of the season. So, And those players are Morgan Fox, Stephen Fletcher, Fernando Forestieri, um, Kieran Lee, Sam Hutchinson. Ati Nuyu and Paul Jones to complete the set. Right. Uh, easiest of all decisions, uh, Paul Jones, I'm guessing we wouldn't care. He can stay where he is, but not have a contract at Sheffield Wednesday because he, uh, he doesn't seem to have been anywhere near the club at all. <laughs> sure. And always seems to have really been brought in because of a long-term injury to Joe Wildsmith. Who's now um, back. Who's now back. And that's, so now we, we're back. And if Westwood's still here next season because he has another year in his Wednesday contract... Um, we have three. We have three senior goalkeepers. Yeah. Interestingly enough, that in recent conversations, Gary Munkin is um, coming back to uh, doing some kind of media call from his office. Yes. Um, 
in these times is basically still said and still kind of hung on to the concept that Kieran Westwood has a shoulder injury. Right. It's one of those shoulder injuries that's because um, sometimes you because your mouth is so close to your shoulder. <laughs> What is it? A face, a face-saving injury? Is that yes. what it's been called? Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have any preference? So I, I'm going to take off another couple. I think are probably fairly easy conversations. Uh, Sam Winall, I'm guessing we, we oh, let yes. go. Yeah, I think it's easy to let go of Winall. I don't think it's going to happen for him at Wednesday. I think we looked at the period. Hopefully, it looked like he was going to have a bit of a rebirth period. When he uh, grabbed that late goal that late goal i just thought he can do that all season yeah i can't remember what game that was but I, yeah i but it, you it, thinking you know, about it, the um of oh, the first monk's first game against huddersfield where he scored the second goal with that that's uh, right yeah header which was a lovely um brilliant killing cross from bannon he just kind of dropped a bit reset you know reset his marker and got up and just glanced it into the net into the corner <clears throat> it's score against uh, QPR uh, in I think January. Was that in the FA Cup? Oh, um, yes, yes. Scored that was win. the FA Cup, and then the Dawson pulled the clanger for the... Of course, you know, I remember the yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so a fairly easy um, cheerio to, to Sam Winnell. Yeah. I, I tell you what, what, looking at these eight players, it's really disappointing that there's not a one that we're going to make any transfer fees on but um that's a more of a comment on you know how we do business as a club at the moment um who else do i think is probably an easy one i think kieran lee unfortunately is probably an easy decision yeah unless you unless you you disagree there which i think it's gonna be really interesting to see no i i think kieran lee's done i i was wondering for a second whether he'd have a stay of execution and a chance to kind of shine in his next kind of forthcoming games if they happen but um the more I think, I'm really glad we gave another year to Kieran Lee, but I think it's uh, we've 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 got a fair amount of juice out of the Kieran Lee Berry. It's really sad to say goodbye, but I don't think he's looking at this stage of his career to <clears throat> recapture the player he once was for us. I, w- I wonder if, in light of Pelupesi getting another deal, whether I don't know what sort of wages people are on, but it, it, presumably he's on a wage that reflects the fact that we didn't think he'd, you know, there was a potential that he wouldn't play a game at all this season. Yeah. I think Um, it's a pretty modest contract from what I've heard. We, there might be a kind of thinking that if there's a potential, we end up in league one, maybe Kieran Lee's not a terrible person to kind of have around for that. But I sort of, it would be quite sad to see he's already a faded version of what he once was. It would be quite sad to see that kind of happen again in front of us. I don't mind it happening elsewhere. You know, I, I think he's probably been more than good enough to get a contract somewhere um but yeah i think letting him go is the sensible decision and um a sad one to not be able to say a proper goodbye to because what a joy it has been to see kieran lee blossom and come in and become the player that um he was at wednesday what a great great guy um okay some trickier ones maybe um we talked should we cover morgan fox and we've kind of talked a bit about morgan fox and fletcher so should we kind of cover them and Hodge, to be honest. Um, do you want to? Do you have a pick of who you'd like to take next? No. Who are you want to pick, Rich? I'm I'm happy. Uh, so I think Hutchinson for me is a fairly uh, unfortunately again. Uh, I, I I would let Hutch go. Um, mm-hmm. I think for the sort of player that he is, his energy levels, his pace uh, are so important to what he does, and he's clearly not been quite as quick. Uh, or as strong as he's been in previous years and 
I think another year of that would probably leave us with a very ordinary player, unfortunately. Uh, but as you say, a tremendous character of, to have had around the club, um, a real advocate for talking about mental health issues, which is a, a wonderful thing to do. Um, and, you know, what he's managed to put out on the pitch for Wednesday as a guy who retired at the age of 23 has been unbelievable. But yeah, I think unfortunately, barring some sort of unbelievable turnaround in these last few games, you've got to be sensible and take the decision to to, to let Hutch go, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is making me quite sad, to be honest. But um, there we go. <laughs> I didn't expect that to happen. Um, so are we both in agreement that Fletcher and Fox, if if they would sign for us, we'd like to keep hold of both of those two? Oh, yes. Yeah. I think that's pretty emphatic. I think we, you know, in an ideal world, we keep both of them. Whether or not we can do that, we don't know. As you say, it's fun to see those, um, fun and worrying at the same time, <laughs> to uh-huh. see those rumours start to swirl and team people get linked to the most bizarre clubs. I think Fox has also been linked to uh, Celtic as well as the two Premier League clubs. So I heard Rangers as well, was that correct? Oh, right, okay. So, yeah, so he's got his pick of the old firm, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I th- Fox is the easiest guess of, of all of them because yeah. he's prime age. He's had the best season of his whole life at, at Wednesday. Um, if, if we can keep him, we'd be mad not to. Fletcher, he's got, you know, he, his best years are behind him or we would have thought that before this year when he's had his best year ever. Um he still had a big chunky injury in the middle of that, so there's there's the the natural question marks you have over someone who is the the wrong side of thirty. But it would be churlish beyond belief to to not want him back after what he's done this year. Um, and if he can, especially if he can replicate the form he was showing prior to Christmas, once we get back to things. Um, a rejuvenated Fletcher is going to make himself impossible not to offer a new deal to and unfortunately probably a very tempting prospect for an awful lot of clubs in the championship and maybe the lower end of the Premier League as well. Um, so more divisive sort of interesting questions here uh, for, the, for the last two. Uh, we've got Atty Nuiu, 30 years of age. And- I would really like to see more of Nuiu. I'd like to see news. I know it's, it's again, he's a divisive figure. I think for those moments where he comes through, I think we need New You. I don't think there are many characters like New You. I don't know if we're going to get one like him. I think he's been a great servant to the club. Um, he's had some good times. He's had some bad times. But um, I think still, you know, more good moments than bad. I, I totally agree. I've, <laughs> I've always been a fan of what New You can do. I know he doesn't, you know, there's, there's, he doesn't get the goals that you'd hope for from a striker, but he brings so much to the team more often than not. And the amount of times, one of the my favourite sights over the last few years in uh, of watching Wednesday have been when we've brought Nuiu on and the opposition defence have had to have a little conflab to just decide what they do with him. Um, and more often than not, what they try to do doesn't work because... <laughs> He's immovable. Um, I th- I think, as you say, almost impossible to replicate what he does. He's almost always fit. Um, he's played thirty games this season. You know, it, he's he's always there. He's always an option. He's got three goals. That's not great. It's not maybe what we'd hope for, but he's always there. He's always plugging away, and he's always a. a, a, a an extra roll of the dice which you you end up needing in in games more often than not uh so yeah i'd like to see atty given another year plus 
we might be in for another fun end of the season with Atty because he looks like he's come back pretty trim from uh, from his time at home. Um, so we might get a kind of burst of the the Atty and you know the without Schwau, but the the Atty that that finished that season with getting loads of goals with Schwau uh, for for uh, for Yos. Uh, so the final one, Fernando Forestieri. It's gonna have to be. He's gonna have to go. As far as I'm concerned, he's just not provided. Considering that we're in these financial times, I'd be really interested to see where he goes next. And also, I'd, I'd love to know, but I'll probably see. Obviously, we won't know as fans what type of contract he's going to get. But I imagine he's probably been handsomely paid for his time here at Sheffield Wednesday. And uh, it's been a it's been a long time since the Forest area of old, really. And I was really hoping we'd have a bit more. I was really hoping, even if he's inconsistent, we'd have a few more kind of good and excellent moments kind yeah. of propping up. And it just it hasn't happened. And it's just been it's been so disappointing. Yeah. I think we often do a lot of I think a lot of Wednesday fans are typically doing a lot of uh, kind of managing their expectations. Yes. Regarding Forestieri, I think would I think everybody, I think even the more maybe pessimistic and maybe more kind of um, kind of slightly grounded. I don't think anyone. I don't know. Maybe I I I feel like I've written him off for quite a while, but I think we actively make a point of not getting our hopes up for Fernando Forestieri to do anything really, just in the vague hope that like if he does do something, it would surprise us and it would please us. But yeah, he's been the. I'm trying to think. There's there's kind of there's. I'm sure there's some. Fr- he's sort of the razzle dazzle without the the heart. The thing that you know. There's the fizz of excitement, but rarely the payoff. Um, and I think the fizz of excitement has come from what he used to do, rather than who he is now. Mm-hmm. Um, he will be on a cracking wage. Absolutely, you know, one of the top earners at the club. We'd be mad to give him anything like that again. And I think just financially, somebody will give him more than we're willing to offer him, uh, but nowhere near what he's on now. So I think he'll probably stay in the championship or a similar level of football. Somewhere, you know, he may well go to the continent or somewhere else. Um, but that's the. I think the, more than anything, it's that it's seeing Forestieri go for free is a real shame because we could have made a very tidy sum on Fernando Forestieri. Yes, yes, completely. Uh, it's disappointing that we've got to this stage with him, um, but for for me this summer it's it's a no brainer to to let him go. Uh, and to be honest, I'll be in a way I'll be glad to be kind of rid of the psychodrama that comes with him. Uh, but very sad to lose. I mean, how exciting was Forestieri to watch in Carlos's first year? What a tremendous dynamic brilliant footballer to watch and he's given us some great mm. moments but mm. it's all the stuff that comes along with him you know he's the um he's the pete doherty of being being a cheeky inside forward uh, <laughs> occasional flashes of brilliance but an awful lot of mess and <laughs> skagging would you say he's what a waster what a waster is pissed up the wall rich there's a touch of that, isn't there? Um, we can't stand him now, can we? We can't, we can't. There's a huge amount of what might have been, you know, uh, with Forestieri, and, and uh, that does naturally sort of put you in kind of maudlin space, I think. But yeah, I think I think this summer it's a very easy decision. I'd be very surprised if, if he does stay on. Did, is, so I'm just thinking, looking at anyone there, do you think 
So Forestieri probably stays at about our level. Morgan Fox, if he left, we'd expect to be our level or above. Same yep. with Fletcher. Yep. Uh, what about what about the likes of Hotch and Sam Winall and Kieran Lee? Maybe even knew you. Where what what where would we sort of expect them to go if they? if they go i'd be surprised if kieran lee could get something at championship level he might yeah. knock down the league i don't know i don't know how much he's going to be good at league one level um, i can see him being like the star man at like an oxford city or something like that do you know what i mean like yeah a, <laughs> one of those weird teams that plays in like yellow and blue you mean oxford united <laughs> oxford united do i mean yeah oxford united or someone like that Mansfield. Yeah, well, maybe he could go back to Oldham, you know. Or, or back to Oldham, yeah. Return the Wanderer. The, pro- the, prodig- the prodigal son has returned. Yes, yeah. Him the and Paul Scholes pulling the strings in the midfield. I'd love to see that, the man with the golden touch. <laughs> um, knew you, I think, could still be still do a job at Championship and still could be, I think, a fair coup for another Championship club. Yeah. Um, I mean, if he doesn't want to stick around and we don't want him around, I think, you know, he could get a new lease of life with another club. I think that'd be interesting for him. I think it'd probably be sad for him because I think he's probably someone who's very loved at the club and the real character in the uh, in the dressing room. But yeah, he seems beloved, doesn't he? All, all round, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. He seems to be a real, um, I don't know, ma- you know, man for all seasons. He seems to fit in with lots of different crowds in the in the in the dressing room. It's not everybody loves Raymond. It's everybody loves Atty. Oh. Uh, is the case. Who else? So Hutchinson, yeah, I, I think, and I think we're hearing rumours of you know a club like QPR. Right. Maybe, okay. Maybe going back to uh, going back to London. Would London. Be quite, good, quite good for Hutch and. Who else have we got? Oh, Winall. I guess Winall's an interesting question. I, I think maybe probably got the could do something still at Championship. Well, you might go back to someone like Barnsley, maybe. Yeah. But I, I think, think Barnsley would probably be also be in League One as well. I could maybe see him for one of the... Like maybe someone like a Rotherham or something or a Barnsley. I think one of those kind of local South Yorkshire kind of, you know... A yo-yo yo-yo club. club, either on the up or the down. He'll either yeah. be in the Championship or League One, depending on which one he joins and what stage yeah. they're at. Yeah, yeah, that feels that feels definitely uh, a possible. Yeah, well, there you go. So there we, yeah, well, we've got uh, football in prospect, something to potentially look forward to, and maybe by the time we talk next week, we'll have we'll have a fixture list to to gaze upon and uh, and and ponder. But um, anything else from yourself this this week, Luke? No, that's it for me. Just uh, hope everybody's well and having a great week and enjoying themselves as much as they can in whatever limiting circumstances they have. That's a good sentiment to end things on, I think, Luke. I, I wholeheartedly uh, agree with Luke's statement, which I can't always say, but uh, <laughs> I can say this time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I wish you a lovely week as well, Luke, as as, as lovely as it can be. And, uh, you know, still thinking of you and, and yours. And, um, yeah, cheerio, folks. See you guys.